you are listening to the Pleasant View Baptist Church preaching podcast. We hope today's message will be a blessing to you and your family. Thank you for taking time to listen to our preaching podcast. Back behind you there, grab your Bible and turn to the book of the Revelation. Going to be back in the Revelation tonight. And I'm going to read a few verses of Scripture. And I'll say this tonight. Keep your Bible handy because I know I said this last week, but tonight we are going to use it a lot. I want you to turn several places with me tonight. And so, um, and, uh, but anyway, turn to the very last, probably the last page of your Bible, depending on how it's laid out. Revelation chapter number 22. Revelation chapter number 22. And I'm going to read some of the last words that God give to his man, um, uh, that God give to his man to give to us um, um, to close out this blessed old book that we hold in our hand. Uh, look in verse number 6. Revelation 22, verse number 6. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou, do it not. Uh, See thou, do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. To give every man according to his work, well, according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and end. Blessed are they that do the, the, his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter through the gates into the city. For without, for without are dogs, and sorcerers, and whoremongers, and murderers, and idolaters, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star, and the spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever shall, whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of this book and of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He, say, he which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly, amen. Even so come Lord Jesus. This, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Jesus, Lord, I want to thank you for what you do for us, God. Thank you, Lord, for your love and your mercy and your peace, God. Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, for, the word, for your word tonight. Thank you, Lord, for how it speaks to us, God. Lord, I pray, God, that you would open our hearts tonight, God. Open our minds. Lord, I pray, God, you'll teach us tonight, God, about your word. God, I'm begging you tonight, give us what we need. Lord, please take my feeble efforts in this and bless it, God, in the way you see fit. If there's one here lost tonight, God, I pray, God, tonight, they'll come to know you as your personal Savior. Lord, we'll thank you and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Um, last week, we started, I say last week, the first of the year, we started a study on Wednesday night about the church. And the church still works. And can I say amen to that tonight? The church still works. God died for the church. uh, God loves the church. God's for the church. 
Uh, and I want to say tonight, I like the church. I'm still, in, uh, I'm still uh, young enough and old enough at the same time to know about the power of the local church and that God works through the local church, the local assembly of people. Um, and I believe that not only does He work through the church, but He works through the Baptist church. Um, and, and I believe that we're Baptist for a reason. Um, we put Pleasant View Baptist Church on our sign, not because of a, uh, not because it's just been there forever, but there's a reason that name's on there. There's a reason the word Baptist is on there. And so we're taking the next couple of weeks, several weeks, to look at why we are Baptist on Wednesday night. Um, I asked this question last week, and there's a few more here that wasn't here last week, so I'll ask it again. And maybe some of you from last week studied this week, and maybe maybe you can raise your hand on this one, but. Can you answer the question, if you were to be asked, why are you a Baptist? If you can, raise your hand. Can you answer the question of why you are a Baptist? Can He can because his daddy told him to. Ain't that right? Say amen. So that's right. Uh, he, he's a Baptist because his daddy told him to. Uh, uh, look coming right here now. This is what I'm talking about. Hey, are you a Baptist? Are you a Baptist? I called it. That's right. But anyway... Holy cow, that'll chill you to the bone. Whew, that water must have been sitting outside. Uh, but anyway, uh, that actually hurt it was the cold. I'm still feeling that. It's still cold through my belly right there. Uh, but anyway, um, why am I Baptist? So we're going to answer that question. So what we're going to do, last week I gave you a history lesson on Baptist. And I ain't got time to go back through it. If you want to know if you want to know more about it, let me know. If you've got questions about it, let me know. But last week we looked at the descendants of, of the Baptist church, and we looked we saw them all the way. The Baptist, I believe you can trace them all the way back to the church of Antioch. Um, the Baptist, I believe you can trace it straight to Paul. Um, uh, I, I believe you can. It's right to Peter. I believe you can trace them right there. I believe that if we were to look tonight and study out the churches um, of the New Testament, I believe that we would determine that um, uh, by, by, by process of elimination of denominations that we have today, that you would find out that these were the first Baptist church of Ephesus the First Baptist Church of Galatia, uh, uh, and, and not the First Baptist of today, but you understand what I mean by that. Um, but why are we Baptist? And so uh, we're going to look at the word Baptist, and we're going to take the word Baptist as an acronym over the next couple of weeks, and we're going to look at several different words that represent us as a Baptist. But tonight, I wanna, I'm just going to start one. I hope I finish it tonight. My goal is to finish it tonight. Um, but tonight, I want to look at the letter B of the word Baptist. And why we are a Baptist. And number one tonight, I don't think we can go any further unless we cover this topic right here, that the Bible is the uh, final authority for the Baptist. Why am I a Baptist? Because the Bible is the final authority. You know, we don't get, we don't get our authority from a board. The Baptists don't get their... their there is certain, uh, I guess you could say, um, sections of the Baptist faith that believe in, in having a board, like the Southern Baptists believe in a board. Um, but we here, uh, as long as I'm pastor here, are going to be fundamentally independent Baptist church. And, and I believe that the, that the church is not ran by a deacon board. Um, the church is not read by, ran by committees. The church is ran by the pastor. Um, uh, Brother Grady's probably the, the oldest active member, I would think. I don't know, but I think he's been here longer than Miss Mine, I think. Um, Brother Grady is not going to have to stand before the Lord uh, and give, a, and give a, 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 an account um, um, for what took place here at Pleasant View Baptist Church. He's not going to have to. Um, um, from the time you voted me in until I, uh, the Lord comes back as my goal or I die, 
because um, that's where I want to be right here till the till the Lord comes back or I die, one or the other. Um, well, I know the Lord can change us, and I understand all that, but my, I'm, I'm going at this thing like I'm here till the end. Uh, I, I told the pulpit committee before they put me in that I, 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 my goal is to see my youngins walk down the aisle right here and get married. Uh, that's my goal. I, 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 I envision one day you having my casket laid out here and, and buried me somewhere not here, all right? Uh, Somewhere else, some, somewhere underneath the tree, so it ain't going to, just somewhere, it's going to look really cool uh, when the Lord comes back, all right, when my grave busts open, all right? It's got to look really cool, all right? I don't really care where it's at, but I just want to look cool. But anyway, that's my goal. But anyway, I know God can move us off. I'm going to have to give an account for that. I'm the pastor. God, God looks at me. You're not going to stand for what I do. Now, you're going to stand for an account of how you back me. You're going to stand as a church member. You're going to stand as how you supported me. Uh, was you an Aaron and a, and a her, or was you Sister Wiggle Jaws and brother, I'm going to get on your nerves? Um, uh, is, is, is that how it was, all right? Uh, which one was it? And that's what you're going to have to give an account for as a church member. I know we picked on Brother Grady. Brother Grady's a good one. I promise you that right there. Uh, uh, I tell everybody in the world, and I tell them until the day I die, if you want to know how to do a church sign, ask Brother Grady. He's got you, all right? He knows how to do it. Uh, but anyway, uh, I don't know where we got on that, but it's all led by the pastor. But tonight I want to look at this. So where all this comes from is from the, from the final authority, the Word of God. If you want a good book to read about the Bible, look up Final Authority. It's a good book, really, really good book. It's a lot about the King James Bible. One thing I'm not going to do tonight is I'm not going to cover the King James Bible topic. Y'all know I'm King James only. We've done a lesson here on Wednesday nights of why we're King James only. I'm not covering that tonight. What I'm going to cover tonight, um, whenever I get down in, uh, get down in here into my, uh, get to the right outline, that, that'll be a start. Um, uh, I'm still not in the right outline. Here we go. I'll get into it in a minute. But why, why are we Baptists? Because of final authority. I'm not going to worry about the King James tonight. If you want a good lesson on that, tune in. I think they're going to be on Facebook tomorrow night. Or go up to Amazing Grace tomorrow night and we'll listen to Brother Jeremy uh, preach on why we use the King James Bible. He's going to do a wonderful job at that. Tonight, what I'm going to talk about tonight is how do we know? How do we know that the Holy Bible that we hold in our hand is the Word of God? Did you know that you can know without a shadow of a doubt that this is the Word of God? You can know it. And we're going to talk about knowing that this is the Word of God, that what I hold in my hand tonight is the Word of God. And so let's look into this tonight, and we'll see what God's got in store for us. When we read the last chapter of our book right there, this blessed old book that I hold in my hand, when, when, I, when we read that, um, how much did you notice that John was referring to the Word of God or to the prophecy? When you hear that, the prophecy, that's talking about the Bible. When you hear it talking about the commandments, that's the Bible. When you hear it talking about this word, it's the Bible. Look how many times he references the word of God. Do you think God was trying to tell us something that we need to focus on the word of God? Can I say this right here? Every denomination that's out there, uh, every different, uh, if you want to say it like this, um, every different uh, uh, sect of religion that's out there of the Christian faith, if they would go to the word of God, um, they would solve a lot of their problems. They really, they truly, truly would. And, and we're going to look at a few things tonight on this. Um, um, so our Bible is, 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 is an amazing book. It truly is. Um, the Word of God is, is a living organism, as I've said before. 
This is not dead. This is alive. It's a living word. We believe in the living word, um, that, it's a, that it's the living word. But this Bible, if we want to look back, and I'm, I'm going to kind of tie in a little bit of history that, at the beginning that I didn't cover last week that I really wanted to get to, but I didn't, and then we'll go forward. But do you know, everybody look at your Bible tonight. Somewhere in toward the front of your Bible, somewhere before Genesis, you're going to find a page that looks like this right here. Well, I got stuff falling out of mine. I don't even know what that, where that come from. Let's see. You're going to have a page that looks something like this right here, if I can find it. All right? It's going to have the list of the books of the Old Testament and a list of the books of the New Testament. Somewhere in your Bible, you're going to find that. That's very important. Um, it's going to be somewhere uh, uh, close to the front, right, literally right before Genesis. You're going to find that. The, those lists of titles right there are the titles of every book. Anybody know what that's called? Anybody know the, the proper term for that? All right, it's called the canon. It's called the canon of the Scriptures. That's an important word. If you don't know the word canon, I want to teach you the word canon. Now, I'm not talking about something that you put some black powder in put a ball in it and go, boom, even though those are fun. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the canon of the Scriptures. You see those down through there. We all know that there's other books out there. All right, we know there's other um, uh, uh, historical documents out there. The book of Enoch, the book of Thomas, the gospel according to Thomas, these different books. You may ask the question, and I know some have asked this question, why are those not in the Word of God? How did they not match up? And I'm going to give you that tonight, why I believe that. And why Baptists believe this is the final authority. It all starts with this right here. Way back when, the early church, the early church had these scrolls. If you want to say it like that. That was the writings. That was the Old Testament documents. That was the collection of all the scriptures, and you can find it throughout the Word of God. You can find how they collected them, how they took them everywhere they went. It was collected, and it was held together by the early church. It was held there, and they kept them. Now, there was more in that than 66 books, I believe. There came a time where people were asking for a book. We need a book. We need something to refer to. We need something to reference to. So the men began to gather these books. And then they said, well, we need to know where we draw the line at. There's one thing about the local, or the, the, the Acts 2 church that I think we need to make sure that we have in ours is places where we draw the line. We ain't going to sing this song. We're going to draw the line. We're going to use the King James Bible. We're drawing a line. I will not do X, Y, and Z in the church house. I'm drawing a line. We're going we're gonna to adorn ourselves in modest apparel. We're drawing a line. You don't draw a line, then the lines that never get drawn, and you get blurred between what's right and what's wrong. Can I tell you what Satan's job is today and what Satan's goal is? He is to, he's wanting to blur every line that's ever been drawn. He's wanting to make the, the church house look like the pop house. Um, he's wanting to make the church house um, look like the rock house. Um, he's wanting to make the church house look like the honky-tonk. And that's not what happened. This is God's house. And, and, but God, Satan wants to blur those lines. The early, early church drew lines. And they drew lines, and this is historically the way they done it. When you study out the local church on a historical basis, you're going to see this, that they took a five-point criteria in picking which books would be in the canon of the Scriptures. 
which books they were going to hold tight together as a Bible and not let it go. And you're going to find out here was their criteria. Number one, they had to, the book had to be inspired. It had to be inspired by God. It had to have inspiration. As with the Old Testament, a canonicity of the New Testament writings was based on inspiration. Only those works that had been inspired by God were to be part of the canon. Now, when you study out the Bible and you study out and you start looking into the, not necessarily just what the Word of God says, but what history tells us about the Bible, you're going to find out this, that the Old Testament is barely ever scrutinized. You won't find anybody that will disagree with you about Genesis to Malachi. You won't hear nobody. There, there's very, very few that'll say, oh, them ain't actual, uh, accurate documents. Um, you won't hear it. There's a, a lot of people agree on the first, uh, uh, on the, 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 the Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi. You won't find it. Where people try to attack is the New Testament. Where people try to, to wiggle in is the New Testament. And really, because of that, it's because the Jews never accepted the New Testament. The Jews have no problem from Genesis to Malachi. They have zero problem. The Jews are living at the end of Malachi. They don't believe the Messiah ever came. They don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. They believe when Jesus comes, he's going to come as a, with an iron fist. They believe that part, but they don't believe in the Jesus that came in our New Testament. They don't believe it. The Old Testament's not really scrutinized. It's the New Testament. It's what documents, what books are we going to add to the Old Testament that we're going to keep. Number one, they had to be inspired by God. And number two, they had, and I struggle saying this word, apostolic author. They had to have an apostolic author. Every New Testament book has an apostle as an author um, or someone closely related or closely associated with that apostle. I'm going to give you some examples. Matthew, he was an apostle. What, what does an apostle mean? They had to be the original disciple. That means they had to see the resurrected Christ. That's how Paul was an apostle because of the road to Damascus. He met the Lord face to face. That made him an apostle. He saw the resurrected Christ. Um, that was a criteria for um, an apostle. Matthew was an apostle. Uh, Mark, he was a close associate to the apostle Peter. Um, Luke was a close associate to Paul. Um, Luke was a very wise, he was a doctor. He was a very wise man. He wrote a lot of Paul's writings. Um, as in he wrote what Paul told him to write. In being inspired by God. Peter was an apostle. Paul was an apostle. James, he was the half-brother to Jesus and the leader of the local church there in Jerusalem. He was also an apostle. Jude, uh, he was the half-brother of Jesus. He was an apostle. Um, the writer of Hebrews um, today is, is actually, if there's one book that about didn't make it into the canon of the Scriptures, the book of Hebrews. Um, it truly was. I personally believe Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, um, but there's no evidence that he did. Nobody can prove that Paul wrote Hebrews. But whoever wrote Hebrews was an apostle, um, and they, 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 their authorship is of that. And so not only did they, this, was these canon of the Scripture picked by inspiration of God, I mean, they had to be inspired by God to write it. Number two, he had to have an, an apostle as an author, but then it had to come about, the book had to be published in our terminology today. The book had to be wrote during the apostle era. And if a writing was the work of an apostle or someone close to you showed away the apostle, it must belong in the apostle age. Writings of later date, um, whatever their merit, could not be included among the apostolic 
or the can or the can, the canon of the Bible. Um, um, so, like the book of Thomas did not come around during the apostle era. It came along afterwards. It did not fit the criteria. That's why it was not allowed to be in the canon of the Scripture. And so, um, there's a there's one other way. There, there, so we see the they had the books had to be inspired by God. They have to have an apostle author. They had to come through the apostolic era. Then the orthodoxy of the they had to fit the orthodoxy. No works could be canon um, that contradicted any of the apostles' work. Um, they didn't allow anything that was a contradiction to it uh, 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 um, to it into the scripture um, because all that done would have been caused confusion. And we know who the author of confusion is. Um, uh, the New Testament, every book of the New Testament, if you read it, lines up perfectly with an Old Testament book. Um, and at the time when they wrote them, they did not have the Old Testament books to go refer to. They had them collected at the church of Antioch. They had them then, but they didn't have them all to collect them at the very end. Um, so they had to have the right orthodoxy. And then they had to be universally accepted, um, universally accepted by the church in recognition. A work with uh, which enjoyed only local recognition was not likely to be acknowledged as part of the canon of the church. On the other hand, a work which was acknowledged by the greater part of the church would probably receive universally universal recognition sooner rather than later. And so there was the five-part uh, rules that they used. Um, the, local, the early church members, the, the, the early church being inspired by God, they used those five criterias um, uh, to pick which books would be in the canon. And the main thing is they was all inspired by God. Because uh, um, here's the thing. Though man gets titled with these books, with this book, God wrote it. God wrote it. I said this last week. This was this work took forty different authors, two thousand years. Two thousand. Let me give you an example. Me and my daddy are a part of two different generations. My daddy is sixty-three years old, sixty-something years old. Me and him do not look at things the same way. We try to work on something, he's going to have one mindset, I'm going to have another. Me and Brother Grady, I'll give you another example. That's father, son. Let me give you another example. Me and Brother Grady, if we were to go out here and we're going to cut a tree down, he's going to have one mindset of how to cut that tree down. I'm going to have another mindset to cut that tree down. We bring little Mike out there who cuts trees down for a living. He's going to have another mindset at it. What I'm trying to say here is we would all disagree on how to get the job done. Forty different authors. A 2,000-year span, 2,000-year span, and there's no disagreement. You think about it. 40 different authors, no disagreement, written across, across three different continents. Three different continents, Africa, Europe, and Asia. Um, three different continents that this book was written off of, written from, and they, none of them disagree. There's not one part that's wrong about it. You search it, you won't find it. All of that. So let's look into this real quick. I got to hurry. I ain't going to get close getting this stuff. I got to hurry. All right. I told Miss Caitlin for service, y'all in trouble. I didn't bring my watch. She's going to look back here at me and go, or look up here at me. She's going to tap on that in a minute. And that don't mean bring in a closer. That means wrap this thing up and let's go. All right. Anyway, I'm just picking. But um, I want to look at the Word of God, and I want to slowly walk down through and of how we can know that this is the the infallible, inherent Word of God. We've heard that our whole life. That this infallible, inherent Word of God, we know, how can we know it? I'm going to prove it. Using the Bible. My pa told me this. The night I announced my call to preach, I 
Now it's my call to preach at church, Miss Mina, underneath the old gospel tent there at Northwood Baptist Church. Come home, walked into Nanny's house, little Mike, and I don't know if I've ever told you this or not, but I walked in. Me and Morgan hadn't been married but just a couple of months at this time, and I walked in. Paul was in the back. No, Paul went to put a shirt on. He had a wife beater on. He wore them wife beaters all the time. He would not wear one around Morgan. If Morgan walked in or a lady that was not part of, the, of his immediate family, he would go put a T-shirt on out of respect. So he went to put a T-shirt on. I walk in the door and I say this, Hey, Nanny, I need to tell you something. Now, Miss Mina, if a young couple were to come to your house that just got married and say, Hey, we need to tell you something, your first mindset's going to be, You're pregnant. There's a, she done it. Before I even said anything, there's a baby. That ain't what my nanny said. I didn't come in wearing a suit and tie. I was wearing blue jeans and a button-up shirt, probably. Probably a polo, more likely. I wore those a lot during those days. I walked in the door, and I said, Nanny, can you sit down in the living room? I need to tell you and Pa something. She turned around and went, you announced your call to preach. I hadn't talked to her about it. I hadn't talked to Pa about it. I hadn't talked to anybody about it other than my wife and my pastor. That's it. That's all. That's the only few people that knew about it. She turned around and said, you announced your call to preach. And I went, I didn't know what to say. I, I, honestly, I didn't have a clue what to say. I knew it. I knew it. I, Wendell, Wendell, <laughs> get in here. He's got something to tell you. Get in here. Here come Paul down the aisle. Down the aisle. Look, there's church. Down the hall with his shirt on. He sat down. Big chest stuck out. I think he knew too. Proud as he could be. He said, what is it? And I said, well, Pa announced my call to preach. He started crying. He hugged my neck. And uh, he looked at me. He said, boy, the only time ever he ever called me boy was that one time. He said, boy, tell you what you need. You need to get you a King James Bible and a strong concordance. And here's what he said. You back Bible with Bible, and you'll be all right. That's what he said. He said, you back Bible with Bible, and you'll be all right. And what he meant by that is you take the Bible and let the Bible prove itself. The Bible should does not, has not, does not have to. Um, there is nothing that we need to allow to speak for itself. The Bible can stand alone on its own. Let me say this right here. They say there's somewhere between 7 to 8 billion people in the world right now. 7 to 8 billion people. If everybody in the world turned their back on the Word of God, guess what this is going to be? The Word of God. Can I tell you what? If you wake up in the morning and you say, you know what, I ain't going to believe the Word of God no more, guess what this is going to make us right here? The Word of God. Can I tell you what it's going to be about? The Word of God. Can I tell you if there's ever going to be any, any discrepancies found here? Because there's not. But if there was, it'd be because it was the Word of God. And it backed itself and proved itself. It's the Word of God tonight, church. It's real. Um, it, 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 it clearly claims to be God's Word. Um, and we're going to look at that tonight. And I'm going to have to hurry. I'm not going to get into this. Look right here. Turn your Bibles with me to 2 Timothy 3.16. I don't have these marks, so you're going to have to just bear with me while I try to thumb and find them. 2 Timothy 3.16. I promise you it's in here. There's Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.16. Bible says this. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in, right, uh, instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Read verse number 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now, you first read that, you're going to say, oh, look right there. 
We can have different versions of the Bible because, look, it says it's there for correction. Don't take it out of context. Read it in context. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. What is it profitable for? It is profitable. That means it's valued. It's worth something. It's worth something. That means that you can get something from it. You get your doctrine from the Word of God. You get your, uh, uh, your doctrine. You get your reproof. That reproof means your correction, where you need to be corrected at. The reproof. Then you see for correction. That's not the Word of God correcting the Word of God. No, that's letting the Word of God show you where you're wrong and then letting the Word of God correct you to where you are wrong. It's not how you about... Has no, this verse of Scripture right here has nothing about you correcting the Word of God. It, it doesn't. It has everything about the Word of God correcting you. Um, by for correction and instructions, it's the book of instructions for righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished out of all good work. It's, 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 it's to work on us and to clean us. It even tells you right there that it's for the man of God. That's the preacher. Uh, that the preacher, if you want to read it like that, may be perfect, thoroughly furnished. And all. I'm not perfect, I promise you that. But my goal is to strive to be. Your goal should be strive for perfection. Look right here, let me give you some more about this, this right here. That word, all Scripture, right there, that's all, the, that's all the Scripture, that's all the Word of God, is given by inspiration of God. Now you underline that, that phrase right there, given by inspiration of God. That word right there, or that phrase, when you study it out in your Greek, you're going to learn that that is one word. It took given by inspiration, given by inspiration of God. It took five English words to get you one Greek word. That one Greek word right there comes from another Greek word that we get two words from. Here, y'all ready? Divinely breathed. Divinely breathed. Now, if I ain't careful, I'll rear back right here, and you want to talk about some preach right here. Divinely breathed. This Miss Caitlin's correcting me back there, keeping me right. Divinely breathed. That means, what this is saying right here, is that all Scripture is divinely breathed. <laughs> Look at that. Woo! It's divinely breathed. What that means, it is the breath of God. I mentioned this last week. Everybody take your hand, put it in front of your face, and just start talking. Whatever you want to say, you feel that breath. You feel the breath of God. Can I say this right here? This is I'm telling you what, I could just rear back and let her rip. I gotta hold her back. Right up here, if I get real close to Miss Mina, I'm not going to. But if I got real close to Miss Mina, she's gonna feel it. She's gonna feel my words. But Miss Caitlin back there is only gonna hear it. How many times do you see people who hear the word of God and get nothing from it? But how many times do you open that Bible and it begins to speak to you and you feel the Word of God? It's because it's alive. It's real. It's not a dead book. It's a living book. It's the living Word of God. This book is alive. So I'm going to do something here for just a minute after we talked about God's Word being alive. We're going to prove the Bible here in just a minute in certain ways. Now, like I said, I don't have time to give you all of these, but I'll give you a couple of them because they're really cool, the ones I give you. And it's already 7.52. I'm a hurry, I promise. We're going to look at the accuracy of the Word. I said this already. The Bible don't need nobody to prove it. It's already proven. The Bible don't need science. The Bible don't need mathematics. The Bible don't even need history to prove itself. 
It needs itself to prove itself because it's a living Word of God. It's proven. But I want to look right here for just a few minutes at the accuracy of the Word of God. At the accuracy of the Word of God. Many people throughout the years have tried to disprove the Bible. They've tried to go in and disprove. I'm going to give you a name here to study. Y'all ready? Get your pen out. If you, I'm talking, you better have your waiters on when you jump into this book. All right? And this guy, Ivan Pan. Ivan Pan. When you study him out, you're going to find out that he was a mathematician that set out to disprove the Bible, made it to Genesis 1-1, and proved the Bible. He didn't even get out of Genesis 1-1, Brother Grady. And he proved the Bible using Jewish mathematics. Uh, I'm going to give you this briefly. But we know that in, in Hebrew, in Greek and Hebrew, in the Jewish language, in the languages the Jewish have used, words have numerical value. Um, the most probably, which is sad that this is the most known one, but everybody knows Satan's number, right? 666. Numbers have, a, or words have a numerical value in this. Ivan Pan found it. He found that they had a value. He, it didn't take him long. You know, he, he found out, you know, Jesus's, his number is 888. It's the number of perfection, all right? the number of new beginnings. Jesus is the new beginning. There's a lot of preaching. I ain't got time to go all over. This man, that he took Genesis 1-1 and took the Hebrew words of Genesis 1-1 and, get, and put the, using Jewish mathematics, took the value with them. Took it with them. We know, we know all numbers have value. We, we know this. He took it and never made it out of Genesis 1-1. The number seven, I think it's found some 30-some-odd 30 different ways. He took the number seven and found it in Genesis 1-1. I'm pretty sure if you, and I, I, I could be wrong with this, you'll have to go look him up. I ain't got my, my notes is back here. I ain't going to go any time to look at him. But if you look at every word of Genesis 1-1 in the Hebrew, has a value of seven. You add up all the numbers, they're divisible by seven. You add up all the numbers, and uh, the number that you get that you add it up, guess what? It's got like seven sevens in it. It's amazing what he found. He proved the Bible using mathematics. He proved it right. And what I'm saying is this right here. You can take the Bible and prove it mathematically. You can prove it mathematically. Uh, uh, consider the order of creation in Genesis 1, 1 through 13. Who presents an argument after argument uh, uh, from a scientific viewpoint to sustain the order which Genesis chronicles. Um, he then asks the question this, what chance did Moses have when writing the first chapter of Genesis and getting 13 items, all accurate and, and satisfactory order in the way that scientists believe the world was created? Now, we know the Bible, they believe in the Big Bang Theory, right? Boom, and how things were created. When you study out the Big Bang Theory, you study out what they think happened, you study it out, you're going to find out that it lines up perfectly with the Word of God of how God said He created everything. Now, the Bible don't need science to prove itself. It's proven itself already. But God knew that over the time, we would get smarter and get smarter. In the book of Daniel over there, I believe it's Daniel chapter number, uh, I, I'm not, I'd have to look it up, I can't remember. But the, Daniel even tells us that there'll be an increase in knowledge. And so God knew there was going to be an increase in knowledge. And He said, guess what? I'm just going to go ahead and put it in the Word of God. In mathematics, there's a... For him to just calculate 13 items in sequential order to be exactly the way they believe the world was created, it would have been a one 
in 31 to the 1,021st power. A number that we don't even have invented yet, Miss Mina, is the probability. One in that many chances that somebody could guess it right. It'd be one in that many chances. We've not even got there yet to prove that. And the Bible says that it's true. Time and time again, over the years, men have tried to disprove the Bible. You won't find one person that's ever disproved it. All you'll find is people that have deepened our confidence in the Word of God is all they've done. Look at it mathematically, but what about scientifically? Here's where I want to use your Bible. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah 40, 22. Here's you a good one. Anybody ever met a flat earth person? Somebody that believes in a flat earth? Mark this verse down and give it to them. Isaiah, what I say? Isaiah 40, 22. I'm turning there. I'm getting there, I promise. Isaiah 40, 22. Oh, went past it. Isaiah 40, 22. This is a good, and I like this right here. 40, 22. It is he that setteth upon the what? Circle of the earth. When Isaiah wrote this, do you think the Hubble spaceship had been released yet? Do you think the first visions of earth had been given from outer space? Do you think they saw the earth from above? He says this right here. Look what he says. And he that setteth upon the circle of the earth and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. If you really want to look deep into it, you could actually find gravity. Talking about the grasshopper, grasshopper can only jump so high because it's being pulled down to the earth like a tent. It's, and gravity's like a tent. It's holding us down. Let me tell you what, gravity's strong. Gravity can stop a bullet. Miss Minor, you go home and get 357. I know you got one. Get that 357. You may not order to do it and see the limits, all right? But take a gun and shoot it in the air. Boom! Eventually that bullet's coming down. It's because gravity's pulling it back to the earth. Just like a grasshopper as a grasshopper jumps. They may fly a little ways, but guess what? Gravity's going to pull them down. They're held down like a tent. You can see gravity there. You see the shape of the earth there. Look right here. I'm proving, you. I'm proving the Bible scientifically, all right? Look right here. Look at Job 26, 7. Like I said, I didn't have any of these marked. Job 26, 7, Bible says this, He stretches out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. He hung the earth upon nothing. Now during this time, they didn't have the word gravity. They didn't have that word. So you know what holds the earth in its place? Gravity. You know what holds you in your place? Gravity. That nothing that he's talking about right there is gravity. They just didn't have a word for it in the Bible. Look right here. Let me give you another one. Look at Ecclesiastes uh, 1.6. I know I'm giving you a lot tonight, but it'll be all right. Ecclesiastes 1.6. Make sure that's the right reference. Ecclesiastes 1.6. The wind goeth toward the south and turneth about unto the north. It whirleth about continually, and the wind returneth again according to his circuits. Did y'all know this right here, that wind is set on circuits? How many of you have ever studied atmospheric pressure and, atmos and the atmosphere and looked, at the, and looked at the weather? 
Anybody ever seen a, if you look at tonight, I'll, I'll tell you, I can show you maps and prove this to you. You look at the geographical patterns of the earth, they call them circuits today. They call, can I tell you what they call um, the circuit that we're in right now? It's called an Arctic circuit. Because guess what? It's really cold outside. And right now, the Arctic air has pushed south, and, and it has pushed itself south. Guess what's going to happen? Before long, it's going to get warm again. Just in a couple of weeks, there's going to be another circuit that comes around. But then another couple of weeks after that, it's going to be cold again. It's the circuits that the Earth sees, and, it, and you can literally watch it twist around the globe using the satellites that they have today. But guess what? Please, Song of Sol Solomon, and he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, he already knew about it. He said the wind goes that way, but guess what? Before long, it's going to come back again, just like a circuit. It's a circuit that we see right there. You can see that again in Isaiah 55.10. Um, um, uh, oh, this is, Man, this is good. I, I wasn't going to give you this one, but I'm going to give it. Psalms 102. Psalms 102. I am no scientist, okay? I just looked up some things that I saw. All right, Psalms 102, verses 25 20 through 27. Look right here. Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hand. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment, and as a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. Can I tell you what that's explaining right there when you study it out? The second law of thermodynamics. second law of thermodynamics simply says this, you can't unscramble an egg. You, once an egg is scrambled, you can't, change, you can't take it back to its other form. Look what the Bible says. Whatever shall perish, thou shalt endure. That means you can't change it. If it's going to perish, you can't help but change it. The second law of thermodynamics says this right here. Once you age, you can't unage. Once you age, Miss Bina? You can't get no younger. Brother Grady, you ain't going to get no younger. Well, Mike, you ain't going to get no prettier. You, get, you done got as ugly as you're going to get. You ain't going to get, you may get uglier, but you ain't going to get no, you can't change what's already been changed. That's the second law of thermodynamics. We just saw it proved right there. And David proved it in Psalms 102. I'm telling you, the Bible is unbelievable when you study it out. Look right here. You can also see that same theory in, 8, in Romans 8.21. Look right here. These are people, a few examples. There's just a few examples of scientific truths written within the scriptures, along with the, the that they discovered, that scientists discovered years later, even though we're explaining it here way before then. You study it out right here, guess what you're going to find? You can find atoms in the Word of God. Why do you think the scientists called the thing that's centered around all of us what we're all made of as little atoms? Y'all know that? Why do you think they called it an atom? Why do you think it? Because they believed the Bible. Studied out the first scientist that created it. He understood what the Bible was talking about and said the first man was Adam. What well, starts with us. You were to take a telescope right now, they've got one, that's big enough to see another, another galaxy that's the same size as ours. The exact same size as ours. And it's, it mimics ours. It's even got what they consider an earth inside of it. When they look at it from a distance, guess what shape it takes? A cross. The heart of the universe is the cross. What does our Bible teach us the heart of the universe? The heart of our Christian belief is the cross. If it wasn't for the cross, we don't. it's the Word of God is what I'm trying to It's an accurate book. 
Look right here. I talked about the, the bottom line is this. The fulfillment of the Bible prophecy in the life of Jesus gives consistently that the truly was God in the flesh. It also proves that the Bible is the supernatural origin. Uh, and like I said, I, I'm going to give you a couple more things. Let me give you this. You don't think the Bible believes itself, all right? When the Gospels were written, they did not have the collection of the Old Testament to have proof of when they wrote the New Testament, okay? They didn't have, they couldn't just go back and say, all right, the Old Testament says this, so let's make the New Testament. They couldn't fake it even if they tried. They couldn't do it. Look what the Bible says. Two di- there's several different ways. And I, like I said, I'm, I, we, we've proven the Bible mathematically. We've proven the, pri- the Bible scientifically. Now I want to look at it prophetically real quick. I wasn't going to give you this, but I'm going to give it to you now. Prophetically, that means using prophecy to prove the Bible. The most remarkable messianic or the Jesus prophecies on the Hebrew scriptures is the one that precisely states that the Messiah will die by crucifixion. We find that in Psalms 22. If you've never read the 22nd division of Psalms, you need to. It is a, it is a, just turn, we're right here, we're already in Psalms. Turn over to one to 22. Psalms 22. I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to see it. Psalms 22. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my Lord? What's what's verse? First of all, just number one right there. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Do y'all know what that's translated to? Elei, Elei, Lama Sabathnia. That's in the Greek. That means, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What did Jesus say on the cross? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He's just quoting this right here. But what he's doing is he's trying to tie us to it and show us that this was a connection. Look at verse number Look at verse number 16. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. That is, that, what they're doing right here is they are David. This is, this is the, the psalmist of David. He is writing a depiction of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. You say, well, what's that, what's that matter? He's just saying that Jesus was going to die. There's more, whoa, way more to the story than just that. Understand this, that when he wrote that, that prophecy was written a thousand years before Jesus was even born. It was written over a thousand years before he was even born. When it was written, the Jewish method of execution was stoning. So when he wrote that book, when he, or when he wrote that division of Psalms, as he pinned that down, depicting the crucifixion of a man who was going to be born a thousand years later, the way they killed people then was by stoning them. Crucifixion hadn't even been invented yet. The Romans had not came... Y'all want to go as far back as this right here? The Roman Empire hadn't even took shape yet. Roman Empire wasn't even thought of yet. But yet we see him writing about a Roman crucifixion. Let me go. I got, I got more to it than that. The, the prophecy was written, uh, written many years before the Romans perfected crucifixion as a method of execution. Understand this right here, that the Bible prophesies that there won't be a bone broken on his body. That gee, there'll be no bones broken. Do you know what the, the, when the, what the, Jew, the Romans found out in early crucifixion? Was that it took too long for him to die. It was inhuman. Y'all ready for this? It was inhumane to kill somebody by the way of a crucifixion. So what they done, 
the humane way to solve the problem is they, hit, they took a, uh, a rod and broke their legs. They snapped their legs in two. Jesus, they didn't have to do that to. Because by the time Jesus came around, the Romans had already figured out the size of the cross, the way to hang them, that way they would die quicker. And the bones wouldn't have to be broken. Think about that for a minute. A thousand years before he was even born, they're already talking about, he was already talking about how they'd be crucified. Even when Jesus was killed, the Jews relied on stoning as their method of crucifixion. But they had lost the power to implement the death penalty due to the Roman occupation. This is why they were forced to take Jesus to Pilate, the Roman governor, and that's how Jesus ended up being crucified in the fulfillment of David's prophecy. The Bible proved itself using itself right there. That Jesus was the Messiah, that it wasn't just anybody was the Messiah. Do you know what happened to the, the, thief on the, 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 uh, the thieves on the cross with him? They outlived him. They broke their legs so that they'd die quicker. It's all because the prophecy would be fulfilled that his bones wouldn't even be broken. They'd stare at him, as Psalms 22 says. And you talk about, uh, you, can go, um, you can go into the cat of nine tails of how the cat of nine tails ripped the flesh. What I'm trying to say right here is we just proved the Bible tonight mathematically, scientifically, and prophetically. We just proved it tonight. Here, I'm just going to give you these last. It's already eight, eight, I'm telling you, I can give you more and more and more on that. The bottom line is this. Just understand the Bible is true. It's the living Word of God. It's proven itself years after years. It's proven itself time after time. You don't need science to prove it. You don't need mathematics to prove it. It just proved itself right there. Just proven itself. But God had just added another layer of it by adding the scientific side of it, the mathematical side of it. Here's you another good one. Archaeology. Study out how you can prove the Bible archaeologically. I can't say that word. But how you that'll blow your mind too. Absolutely. The, the, <laughs> baptism. You should study up baptism in the Bible and see why we are, and we may do that. We probably will do that before it's all said and done when we talk about the Baptist here. Uh, but anyway, look right here. We proved the accuracy of the Word of God, the authority of the Word of God. The Bible is very clear. If we preach the good news of salvation to the child of four or five years old, he or she will be able to understand it without any trouble. I can take Colt right now and walk him through the Word of God. He can understand every bit of it. Can I tell you, when I was leading him to the Lord, I didn't have to come up with my own words. I gave him the Bible. I tell you, I, I'm going to tell this on cold. I hope you don't get mad at me. Get mad at me. You can punch me later, all right? You'll, be, you'll get over it. The night he, he come to us wanting to, to be saved. Miss Mine, you know what I done? I didn't go daddy mode on him. I didn't go, and son, you need, you know what I want to do as daddy is I want to say, listen, you, need, you, you just need to ask God to save you. I didn't do All you need, you don't need my, but he didn't need that. And tell you what I done? I said, if thou wilt believe in thine heart, <laughs> confess with thy mouth that the Lord Jesus hath raised thee from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Guess what happened? I look over at him. A little tear come from his eyes. It wasn't because of my words. It was because the living word of God began to speak in that little six-year-old's heart and changed his life. Can I tell you what happened to me one day? I was six years old, same way. I remember that the word of God became real in my life. Yeah, the preacher preached a message that night. But can I say what? It was because of the preaching of the Word of God that got my heart, that it started working in my heart. It was the Word of God that caused it. I'm not saved today because my grandpa was saved. I'm not saved today because my mama was one of the most godly women to ever walked the face of the planet. I, I'm not saved because of that. I'm saved because the Word of God spoke to my life and showed me my lost condition, showed me my need of Him, and I asked Him to live in my heart, and He does today. That's all because the Word of God. It's God's authority. It's His authority. He speaks to us 
through his word. It's very clear. It's very, very clear. Um, and it's so clear that even Hitler said this. Hitler, I believe he understood. I'm talking about Adolf Hitler. I believe he understood the power of the word of God. I'll tell you why? Because he said this right here. You give me a young until he's five years old, and I'll have him to the rest of his life. He understood that the word of God could get to him early. So he tried to get to him early. So it's one of Hitler's famous sayings. Give them to me for five years, and I'll have them the rest of my life. He knew that if you give a kid the word of God for five years of his life, you'll have, God will have him for the rest of his life. Will he stray away? Probably. There's a good chance he'll stray away, but he'll not forget what the word of God taught him. He'll not, I'm here to tell you people that I've talked to that's been in the deepest sins, uh, uh, that, that, that got saved at a young age. They can know when they were in the deepest heart of their sin. It wasn't mom and daddy's words they heard. It was the word of God that they heard. It was the word of God that showed them that they were wrong. It was God that convicted them. Not mom and daddy, but God that did. It's because it's God's eternal word. But look right here, it's necessity. If we didn't have the Bible, how could we come to hear the gospel? If God had decided to use an oral tradition um, to pass down the word of mouth, it would have got messed up. But he chose the written infallible, inherent Word of God. That way, when we read today, we're not reading some, somebody created when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But we're, writing, we're reading the words um, that God gave David there to take care of his sheep. He said, uh, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. That's what, John, that's what David wrote down when he was inspired by God. It's that, that's that real tonight. Look right here. The accessibility of the Word of God. We proved, we saw it, the accuracy. We saw the authority. But look at the accessibility of the Word of God. Can I say this right here? Anybody can open this book. You say that's not a big deal. It is to some people. The early Roman Catholic Church, you were not available to open up the Word of God. I could not go and read the Word of God. I had to trust some priest, some pope with no hope, to interpret the Word of God for me. Tell you why the Roman Catholic Church is so twisted today? I said twisted. It's twisted. It's because they twisted the Word of God. They didn't even grab the Word of God to start out with. You study it out, the text and the Bible that the Catholics use actually comes from Alexandria, the corrupt text. You study it out, you'll find out that it came from Egypt. It came from the world. <laughs> I promise you, I don't want to read nothing from, the, from this sacred desk that came from the world. I want to read something that came from God. It's inspired by God. It's these 66 books right here. Colt can open it and read it and understand it. You have the right. It's accessible to all of them. Why am I a Baptist? Because the Bible is the Word of God. And it's His final authority. You don't agree with me on something? Let's take it to the Word of God. If I don't agree with you on something, guess what? We're going to take it to the Word of God. Why am I a Baptist? Because we take the Word of God as its final authority. Look right here. There's been no other book. I wrote this. This is my little note. That the controversy. There's been no other book surrounded by controversy than the Bible itself. Than the Bible. I'm I'm a hush. The Bible. Look right here. You take. But what's that? What was that? There was a bunch of uh, bunch of mess was written in a book one time. And I can't think of the name of it, but it went crazy on the shelf. They even made a movie about it. Uh, and I can't remember. I can't remember the name of the book. Anyway, Morgan probably told me, I can't think of the name of the book. There was a movie that went crazy. They, and it was, it was filth is what the book was all written about. Written about a bunch of filth is what it was. A bunch of ungodly stuff in the book. 
Nobody criticized him. Nobody criticized him. You take the word of God, it's criticized. And I'll go to say this. I said I wasn't going to say anything about the King James Bible. There's been no other version criticized more than the King James Bible. King James Bible's been more criticized. There's been more bloodshed over these 66 books right here than any other book that ever has existed. You want a good book, another good book? The Trails of Tears, or Trails of Blood, I'm sorry. Trails of Tears by the Indians. Trails of Blood. The blood trail of the gospel right here. You start, I'm telling you, it, it'll blow your mind. Word of God is final. The final authority why we're Baptists. Would you stand tonight? I'm going to ask you tonight. Maybe you need to say, Lord, I've been wandering around in different versions or I've been wandering around in different books and I'm just not sure where my thoughts are. Maybe you need to come tonight and pray and ask God to help you. Maybe you just want to come tonight and thank Him for the Word of God. One of the most prized possessions that we should ever have is this right here. Shouldn't take it, throw it up on the dash and leave it for a week. Be something we cope with us. I'm even to the fact, little Mike back me up on this. I'm even to the fact, Miss Minor, you should get the best buy. I, 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 King James, obviously, you know what I mean by that. But I'm talking about quality. Don't go get a cheap one off Walmart. Don't go to the dollar store and get one off. Get you invest in the Word of God. I'm not saying this arrogantly because I didn't buy this Bible. This Bible was given to me on my ordination service right here. It's got. It's gotten the, my ordination, look right there, Paul, you, you probably see it from back here. That's Paul's signature right there. He was on my ordination board. Look, there's the man who, who was on my ordination board. There's my pastor. Look, right, he said, this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. One of my favorite sayings, right there. I don't know if he said it or somebody else said it. But he wrote in here, this, this, this was given to me. This was a gift. That Bible right now, Miss Mina, you go to evangelicalbible.com, that's a $300 Bible. That's a $300 Bible. It's made by a genuine goat skin leather, hand-stitched in the binding. I think you should invest in your Bible. Invest in you a good Bible. Don't, don't just, I understand, I, I couldn't go buy a $300 Bible right now. I'll just be honest with you. I couldn't, go, well, I couldn't do it. But can I tell you what I couldn't do? I can go to Gullians. I support Gullians. You go to Gullians, they got some really good, high-quality Bibles for a good price. Get you a good one. It's something we should love. We should care. Can I tell you what happens? Every once in a while, she can get mad at me later, throw a book at me or something, make me sleep on the couch. It'll be all right. Can I tell you what happens when Miss Morgan's battling a little anxiety? Tell you what we'll do? We just go to all the Bibles in the house, lay them open. When I feel oppression on the house, Satan's trying to attack, just go and open the Word of God because it's living. I remember, I remember, I remember Jonathan Barker may have said this to you. I'm not sure that you know, a boy and a girl come to Amazing Grace, start dating. He'll walk over there to them and drop a Bible between them. Say whatever you need to do, just leave a Bible between you. Anything you do needs to be done over that Bible. Keep you honest. Keep you keep you right. Keep you clean. Something we should love tonight, church. Maybe you'd say I'm not in love with my Bible. Maybe you should ask God to help you. Would you come tonight? Is there one? I'm gonna pray. Give you opportunity to come.